I'm so curious about how that works because like some people, I, I thought it turned off. I thought there was an automatic off switch. On the at, breast milk? On the breast milk at year two. Like no <laughs> more boobs shut down. Oh. Someone was telling me you can make it go on. You actually have to, you actually have to get your body to stop. Like women have to just stop breastfeeding. And no way. It's painful. No. Their ducts like they like back up and you have to like go through a whole process to get oh. your, your breast to stop producing milk. See, we've only had women guests on the show and I really was like, Dylan, do not make every time we have a guest on the show be like, what's the deal with women? But like, these are questions I didn't have the answers to and thank you so much for taking the time to explain Isn't it. Isn't it kind of sad that that has never come up in one of your like health classes or something? I mean, oh, yeah. I feel like you're a well-educated person. Like that's probably something we should learn, right? Listen here, I didn't take health class. Got it. And my parents taught me sex ed from church. Them? Yeah, you should blame my mom and dad. All right. I didn't know that it's a manual shut off. It's not an automatic shut off. No, it's not like, okay, kiddo, my body has refused to continue <laughs> doing this it's not a clapper yeah. <laughs> that's why this makes so much more sense like with the idea of wet nurses now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because they yeah. could just like keep themselves breastfeeding forever which actually there's like benefits to it too like your metabolism is going crazy fast oh. you're like burning more calories some people do it just to like help lose the baby weight interesting my favorite lactation fact oh. <laughs> is that oh, on that- top of continuing to lactate until you stop milking you also don't menstruate for that time period. Uh. It's nature's built-in birth control. That is supposed to happen and does not always happen. Right, I kind of uh. figured there was a standard deviance in there. Yeah, it's supposed to be like birth control. Like th- my mother was breastfeeding me and then got pregnant with my brother, which happens also all the time. You mm. know, yeah, it's supposed to protect you from that. Second favorite lactation <laughs> fact, the oldest recorded wet nurse retired in her 80s. <gasps> wow. That is so upsetting, her poor breasts. And on her 80th birthday, she squeezed out a little milk and drank it and said, still sweet. No, 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 no. no, no. She's a hero. That's not right. She's Fallacy. a hero. I'd buy it. That's true. I mean, at the very least, these women should be able to make a profit. Yeah. I say decriminalize the sale of breast milk. Don't make it a business. Don't commodify women's bodies. Just allow them to do what they want with it. That woman should be allowed to sell her sweet breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> So this is going to be pretty challenging. Okay, let's get you ready for your wedding. Up and up. My job to give 100%. It's important for us to pause for a moment. Okay. Life pile. This is Life Pile Podcast, the only podcast that restricts your protein intake for 20 days to get you into a mild state of mind. I'm lifestylist and lifestyle expert Camden Johnson. And I'm your aunt who just rose out of a pentagram in the center of your bedroom floor, Dylan Bragasa. Uh, and I'm just an alien that dropped down for the moon to uh, have a little conversation about cults. Sarah Adler. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ryland. Hey, what's up? That was me doing a chant. Is that Ryland or Cheryl Crow? I can't tell. Those vocals were off the chain. This is Life Pile Podcast, the podcasts for people who don't let facts get in between them and their lifestyle section. Every week, we review your lifestyles and tell you whether you should live them or leave them. And we also bring you some segments on the biggest lifestyles to live today. 
before we get into that, we have a very special guest here today with us. I first met her when she gave me an emergency trichotomy on the day I discovered I was allergic to peanuts, but we have her here as a culture expert for our Life Pile special on culture shock. Ooh. Please welcome our guest, Sarah Adler. Thank you. Wow, the applause is too much. Another Colorado resident, yeah. or former, former. formerly so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I was the only one born in Colorado, right? No. no. Third generation. <laughs> nice try. Third generation. No, I think it was just me. I'm a native. No, I don't know if you guys know. No, that. you take that sticker and you rip it off whatever stupid car you put it on. Those stickers suck. Dylan, it's obviously a Subaru. That's the only car they have. <laughs> the car that's in Colorado. Uh, that's true. Colorado humor, y'all. People may not know, but you are a Renaissance person. A lady of many talents, but we've called you for this show today to lend us your expertise in culture. I just wondered if you could give us a little background on how you gained your expertise in culture. So my my father runs a group of people, basically, uh, a community. He lives in a community living situation in Colorado, in, in the mountains of Durango, Colorado. And uh, he has not, he's only, it's like 80 acres of land. They're living off the land. They've got animals on the farm and, you know, all living living and working the land. And I grew up, like, pre-land. So before they had land and they were just a group of people with a dream. And that was that was the dream I was fed from my childhood. It sounds great. That sounds really it, good. You know, it, yeah, yeah, so far I'm it, sold. I was, I, was, I was also sold. And you then, and then the dream continued to be... It never happened, you know? I was, my dreams were crushed at such a young age. And the group of people, the thing about community living is that it's a, it's a community of people that have to collaborate on how they're going to live. And, and that comes with drama, yeah. you know, problems, affairs, um, <laughs> <laughs> divorces, uh, people pulling out, suing each other, you know, lots of things happen. So they did end up, they do now live on that, on the land that they found. They found the land when I was like eight years old. We just call it the land. And they found it when I was like eight. And I thought I was going to move there that next year or the year after or the year after that. And then by the time I was like 17, I was like, this is never going to happen for me. (laughs) (laughs) My dad, part of why he finally started doing it is because he got hit by lightning. What? This is a story. As the story goes, my father was hit by lightning and it hit him in three places. The head, the heart, and the toe. That's what he says. <gasps> he says the lightning hit him. This is a story. This is one of the legends. I grew up with legends. You know what I mean? Of like your dad. Just of my dad. And my dad. He also, when he he was uh, apparently in advertising, he was in advertising for a long time after after the war, after Vietnam, and he had started doing these ceremonies, and they were telling him like, oh, like you have to take on these ceremonies. But he was like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Like this isn't. I'm not doing this. And he was driving to work one day. He was in traffic, and he heard a woman screaming, and he ran out of the car. And toward the voice, the screaming, and when he got there, it was just a tree that was being cut down. <gasps> oh my god! And that is the day he quit his job. Wow! Wow! Okay. And the lightning stuff happened on his vision quest. So, apparently, wow. uh, this is Ida. What did the vision quest entail? A lot. It was like a hike. Yeah, he was like you like yeah, it was like in the mountains fasting. Gotcha. So okay. his electric brain gives him psychic abilities right his electric heart makes him very compassionate and his electric feet make him sonic the hedgehog i think maybe it was like 
keeps them in the right direction. Oh, you know what I mean? That makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so this group, like the group of people that your dad lives with now, what is like the unifying uh, belief? belief that like binds them? They definitely have, there's definitely like a spiritual aspect to it. But I think that now it's biggest thing is like living off the grid, you know, because um, another part of it is that my dad is very end times. Uh, right, it's like twenty, like twenty twelve. It was like it's gonna end now. We like have to get on the oh. land by twenty twelve. It wasn't like the world explodes. It was like it's like the world, the political, everything's gonna collapse. Like the system's gonna collapse. Wow. Money's gonna collapse. We're not gonna have energy. It's just gonna be us. We have to have our wells dug, and like we have to be able to live off of like our own. You know, okay. very like we have to live like the native people lived, like off the land. Gotcha. That's the only way we're gonna survive, kind of thing. So I think it's very much it's very much that. But the thing is, when they first got out there, they had no they had no skill set. I mean, my dad was like, <laughs> my dad grew up. You know, he's like. He was born in the 50s. He was a Marine. He uh, he did not live a life that, like, prepped him, per se, for, like, owning 80 acres of <laughs> land. And then when they they kept having, like, groups of people that were supposed to be experts. And then when they, by the time they got there, most of those people no longer spoke to them anymore. Like, it just it all crumbled. Because um, everyone's living very interesting lives. You know, they, they, they have a lot a lot going on yeah. inside of them. Uh, so a lot of things <laughs> happened. You know, like, the first winter, like, a horse just died because they they were feeding it water that was too cold uh oh. one winter we went there and we were, they were like oh it was a totally different time uh a couple years back they were like oh the, one of the horses we haven't seen it in a little while like we haven't seen the horse my friend and i were like well we're gonna go on a walk you know explore uh and we did and we found a, the dead horse oh, no. that had it had it had gone off a cliff and just Jesus. and just died and no one found it for, and then they could not, oh, no. <laughs> this is the worst part, they couldn't dispose of the body of this horse no. um, until, the su- until the summer because it was so frozen and heavy oh. and wedged in, like, off this cliff. Like, they couldn't do anything about it until the ground melted. Whoa. Ugh. That's so sad. Yeah. Just, like, stuff you're not prepared for, you know? Do you think that the horse just saw the the end of the the world coming up and says, like, hey, <laughs> 2012's right around the corner. Yeah, I think the horse I think the horse was like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. I'm sick of this frosty water, man. I didn't know that was a horse rule, that, like, horses got to have the tepid water. Apparently, if the water is too cold, it, like, yeah, their stomachs, like, flip inside themselves or something. Whoa. Crazy like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean. So, Sarah. When you were growing up, did you think that the world was coming to an end? Because I know I definitely believed in Santa. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely believed in Santa? Is that you said or Satan? Santa. I, I, I okay. believed in Santa growing up. And then for several years in college, I believed in Satan. <laughs> for sure, I believed in Santa growing up. Uh, yeah, I definitely believed that the world was going to end. But I, I thought that we were like protected. You know what I mean? Because we like knew something that other people didn't know. We talked to plants a lot. I remember growing up, I, there was this one time we had this, what, what's the plant that you use? Aloe vera? Yeah. Aloe vera plant we had for like our sunburn and stuff, right? And it was in the bathroom and one of the women that lived in this house was like, the aloe vera plant is is angry at us. It's angry at us because we don't talk to it unless we need it. Oh. And it was like, it was really sassy about it. You know, she was like, it's really, it's really upset. It, it was the plant was like, hey, <laughs> you don't talk to me unless you have to. I don't like this. And I... Every time I would pee, I would, I would just talk to it because I was so afraid. I was like afraid that it was mad, and it was sitting right there while I peed. So I was like, 
Hey, <laughs> how's your how's your day? How's your day going? You know, I'm like freaking 13 years old, like peeing, talking to a plant. I'm like, I know this is crazy. Like I, I was a logical person. I was like, this is not, this is crazy. But also, I was afraid, so I would right. do it. It's still based in like, like this fear, like this fear, this thing that like we have to. We, we, it's just the unknown, right? Like human beings are just like, I don't freaking know what's going to happen. So let's find some way to give ourselves structure. Let's tell ourselves we know what's happening. Right. Yeah. That's like the human need. My dad's also like, you know, he has that. He's, this is where it starts to get into like, is it a cult? I don't know. Because he's like the leader, you know? Um, And, and he's a very charming guy. He can really convince people that anything is a good idea when it, when it clearly is not. That's just kind of how they roll. So, I mean, so yeah, things happen. Things happen even when maybe they shouldn't, but because they make of, it like, through. Your dad's charisma. Yeah, he's just like he like propels it along, but he doesn't do any of the stuff. <laughs> so then he can also always be like, "You're an idiot. Oh. <laughs> You're an idiot. Oh, you did it wrong." <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like, oh man, this guy didn't know what he was talking about. Like, oh man, dad, maybe you should have asked. <laughs> In the past, especially, like there was a lot of weird. A lot of like a lot of people who gave me a lot of stuff or were really really nice to me, and I would be like, oh, it's because they want to be around my dad, you know? Wow. They like want to be, and there was like definitely a hierarchy, mm-hmm. you know, with, especially among the women of like who was like dad's favorite people, oh. you know? So they they would like kind of use connecting with me or like us oh, wow. um, as like like pawns in that game. It was really. Can I ask? Is there are there like does your dad have like multiple wives? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. No, no, it's fine. This is this is one of those things that like I'm not supposed to know about. You know what I mean? Now, no. My he has one wife, Debbie. Debbie was is wife number five, and she she really runs the whole thing. Actually, oh. now a lot of the prop it's a lot of the money that has gone into the property is hers. Hmm. So it's really <laughs> she really runs a tight ship. And um, I re- I do remember like. There was a lot, like she has, there's been a lot of moments where she's like gone into one of my dad's private meetings just to vacuum, you know, opening the door and stuff like, um, but yeah, one of the reasons that there have definitely been romantic encounters with women in the group, a lot of women who want to be with my dad, uh, women who like told me when I was younger, like, oh, that they were in love with my dad. Um, wow. They tell you as child that. Yeah. I had this like a abil- Yeah. I had like this like ability to like give people, uh, people tell me stuff, but that, that's always been a thing. I was like nine, you know, or like adults would like cry to me and stuff. Um, Whoa. well, you're very like a good listener and like a good conversational. Like, I like that that's been happening since you were like since a child. Little. People are like, Sarah gets it. Yeah. Like she just has to know. Um, you know, I remember one of these women, like I was really close to her and she was like, yeah, you know, I am in love with your dad. I would never do anything. I would never do anything, but I am in love with your dad. Whoa. And I was like, okay. You're like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Auntie. Also, we called everyone auntie, you know. How did he speak about 2012 when it was coming up in compared to once it had passed and it was 2013? Oh, yeah, yeah. So my dad's good about, he doesn't do that, like, he doesn't do the hard, fast date. You know, he was like, the Mayan calendar is going to end. And these are all the other things that happen according to the prophecy, like the ice, the ice is melting. And, you know, they told me this thing would happen and this thing would happen. So he kept like saying like, oh, these things are all happening. It's all Coming to this point, he kept like talking this and my whole childhood was like him like telling groups of people that like it's all happening the way that they said it was gonna happen mm. and twenty twelve is coming and he's like, But oh, I don't know. I'm just saying it's gonna happen. I'm not saying it's gonna I'm not saying it's for sure gonna happen twenty that seems possible. I'm not saying for sure. I'm just saying it's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's gonna happen. 
<laughs> and uh, so then in 2012, you know, my brothers and I were like, oh, yeah, dad's crazy. He's crazy. But then also like a little bit, we were all prepared, you know, mm. like my brothers were like, yeah, I'm just not going to deal with my debt till after 2012. See if I really have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's my plan. That's my student's plan. <laughs> my plan. Like maybe it'll all end before I have to do this. Right. <laughs> so rack up that credit card, he, maybe. He, he was getting most of his information from the Mayans then? Or what? So my dad. Okay, here we go. Sometime before I was born, my dad's like 75 years old. So he had like a whole life before me. My mom's 20 years younger than him. And his fourth wife. So he started after, somewhere after the Marine Corps, he started doing like native ceremonies with um, a group of like elders in uh, California. And then Montana and met this man, Jerome Forstar, who claimed him as his son publicly, as his long lost son that he had given up for adoption and was back. So he started, so he met this man and he started doing these ceremonies. And then this man asked him to like take on the ceremonies and doing it. So there's a bunch of prophecies in like native culture that has to do with like end of times or like the change not like the end of time. It's more, it's less like that, that the world is going to end and more like that there's going to have to be like a drastic shift in how humans live on the planet kind mm. of a thing. So it's all kind of based in that. But my dad's super white. So like only white people followed him. So it was just like a lot of white people doing native ceremonies. That's, sure. that's, that was it really. Huh. Um, and that's like something you've had to like reckon with into your adult life. As an adult. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I, it was like... I don't know. I guess I thought I was like a native princess until I was like nine. And I looked in the mirror. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Like what? And I spent a lot of time as a kid, like on reservations because my grandpa was still alive. Jerome. So we like, I like went to reservations on the summer and like had, you know, all these like experiences. Also my, you know, my brothers got their asses kicked because, you know, they're the white kids on the, um, on the res. So, so yeah, it's been interesting. And like, like I don't, I definitely don't claim being native, even though it was a large part of my growing up, but like, uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel appropriate sure. to do that. But that's still maybe, is that a part of the community still? On the yeah, land? I mean, for sure. My dad, I mean, yes, it has shifted a little bit. Like not everybody that's living there is doing the ceremonies with my dad. Whereas in this original uh, idealization, like everybody was like following his, his word. You know, everyone was mm-hmm. like, um, and then that kept, that kept ending really badly for him. Uh, so I think he kind of was like, all right. I was looking at, you sent me a link to your dad's website. Yeah. And there are some tabs that kind of like detail a lot of the the stuff we're talking about. And there was one tab that talks a lot about the orbs, which I don't like know a whole lot about. Have you? The orbs? The orbs. Okay. O-R-B-S. It w- was a page populated with like photos that had been taken on oh, disposable cameras. Oh, 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 the orbs in photos. The orbs those are spirits. In... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's what? a whole thing. So whenever, you know when you see those little like light, uh, like, like, um, like flares. flares of like round lights and, and like yeah. in photos that yeah, get yeah. developed <laughs> and you're like, oh, something happened obviously with the light or like something went wrong in this photo. So their whole thing is that like those are always, <laughs> like never once have they said it is not uh, a spirit. Huh. A spirit that is there that we have caught on camera. Okay. So, you know. Have they ever said the word machine elf? Does that ring any bells for you? No. Glittering basketballs? Hmm? Orbs? <laughs> Rylan did a whole segment on these orbs from other dimensions called machine elves that oh are God. reported amongst, like, many cultures. People? I did not even think about that, Rylan. Whoa. But this is kind of that. Wow. It's that. 
And they're often reported during people's ayahuasca trips. Was that at all a part of the community? It was not at all a part of like like, any kind of substance or anything was not. Mostly I think because my dad was an alcoholic for a while before this life. So it was like part of it kind of got carried out. A lot of of people that my dad works with are like people who are like recovery addicts or like people who have. So there's a lot Hmm. of like turning away from like certain things that were not healthy for them or whatever. Cool. Okay. It's part of it. So there's that's there's like another dimension of like finding solace in one another. Yeah, like. finding community and like a, a space where you are more being more supported and like yeah. And then sometimes those you know, then they try to live together and that and they're like oh well maybe not best, the best roommates <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe just a good support system not great roommates. We should all get like a house. Yeah. <laughs> it's always so awkward for all those Buddhist monks that move in with each other and then they all want to use a microwave at the same time and they're like oh. <laughs> I'm trying to get in touch with my inner peace here. Have you done anything with blood? That's what I care about the most. Have I done anything with blood? (laughs) Blood blood sacrifices? (laughs) Or just, you know, oh, I got a bloody nose. Put it in a bottle. No, 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 no. They do. There are a lot of animal carcasses involved. Like, they do like, okay, so there's like this thing called an animal spirit dance that my dad Mm started doing and uh there's medicine associated with certain animals right Hmm. and then people will start to do work a lot of times with specific animals a lot of times it's like associated with like your animal spirit guide or they go on vision quest and they like will find their animal that is like calling to them that is the animal that they're the, the medicine that they're going to work with and then you know they like get the skin of that animal and they have like so um one of the things that they do is there are people who 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 spend more time doing working with the medicine of these of their animal and then they will dress up for this dance this spirit dance they dress up they like wear the skin and um for hours will dance in this arena and people come and like it's supposed to be very spiritually healing you're supposed to be able to like uh, like touch and like you know they're supposed to be like basically conduits of the of the energy of this animal and and also like the healing potential of that power and so it's a whole like a whole thing um but never blood i never saw any there was never any blood stuff did you ever dress as an animal yourself during one of these dances no i i was never given the um privilege oh i never this was a, uh, this is uh, sorry dad uh, this is a big disappointment i think for oh, my no. father that like none of the kids took a, a, a particular interest in in learning how to really do the work you know i mean i i talked to a lot of it, of plants and you know meditated with some flowers and stuff i did have my coming of age ceremony after i got my period i had had to have a coming of age ceremony which i did a fast for 3 days wow in a lodge and i just like sang and i was supposed to like i think have some kind of like vision but i just i just slept mostly <laughs> <laughs> that's a great celebration yeah i mean i didn't have any you didn't have any water food and like you know like i was just like i'm going to check out <laughs> this experience okay. now i fell asleep uh, and then i had to do a sweat lodge and it was so weird i mean i was like underneath this like white piece of fabric and I like did half the sweat underneath this fabric. And then, then I got like revealed to the community as a woman. And then after the lodge, I had to sit in my like pretty dress with my ribbons and everybody came up to me. All the women came up to me and gave me like advice on how to be a woman. And I was just like, I haven't eaten in three days. <laughs> like, uh, how is snack? this, how is this still happening? Yeah. Wait, uh, wait, like you had a sheet over you like a ghost? Yeah, like I had, a, like, yeah, it really felt, it very much felt like, hey, hey. 
hey guys, like, <laughs> like she's a woman now. She's ready for fer- like fertilizer. Oh That's how it God. felt, you know? Oh, no. It's not what they meant. It's like yeah, yeah. symbolic purity, like white sheet. Yeah. And then, like, the, it's like oh, like now she's here for a take yeah. That's, Gosh. yeah. This caterpillar is a butterfly now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, this is my experience with, with somebody who, uh, very much outside of a lot of the native culture, right? Yeah. Um, and also, each tribe is so tremendously different. So I think it's important that we like recognize that I'm not talking about all tribes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you carried any of like that part of your life into adulthood? Do you still, are you like, I'm one with the like community? I think consciously I kind of actively uh, have chosen to not in some ways engage with like, like there are some things that make me really uncomfortable and some things I've seen go really, I don't know, awry, I guess. <laughs> So um, my whole life has just been like, I just want to get to that place where I'm living alone. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've had, I had three brothers and we had like strangers in the house all the time. And like, it was, it was madness. It was pure craziness, you know? Um, So my whole, my whole life is, you know what? One day it's just going to be me, me in a, in a bedroom and a, and a TV. I'm going to have whatever food I want in the fridge. Plants. Plants. I'm into plants. Plants are good, but I, I'm not great at keeping them alive. Okay. Do you still talk to plants? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I would say I have, I've been known to still strike up a conversation or two. <laughs> Sometimes they're lonely, yeah. you know? <laughs> I talk right now, we have a plant. Um, we got this plant because our my friend Bernadette moved away and, and left it. And it's it started immediately dying, and both my roommate and I were like, "Oh, we need to talk to it more." <laughs> it's the solution here. <laughs> um, it is. It's starting to kind of yeah, yeah be revitalized. Wow. That, and we also moved it to the sun. So that. Jury's <laughs> <laughs> out. Like, uh, yeah, no. Which one did. I definitely think it's my sweet, sweet voice. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. How did your mom meet your dad? Mm. Um, my mommy was, you know, a sweet. Hot 25. She grew up in Chicago and then she like fleed basically at like 19. She was like, no. And she left and she went to California and she went on her own spiritual journey. You know, she started like going through a lot of things. My mother still has been, you know, my mom now is like a psychic reader, massage therapist, does a very different thing than my dad, but is also her own unique soul. Um, So my mother met my father when she was actually dating another guy, she like she started having like feelings for him, and he was like her mentor, like her spiritual guider. And uh, then they started having you know interacting romantically. At which point, another woman who was very apparently jealous in the group, according to my mother, told my mom that he was married, <gasps> which she had not previously known. Oh no! So my dad was still married, and then and then basically, as the story goes, the way I heard it, my dad was like, "This is crazy." I can't, I can't leave my wife for a, for a 20 something year old woman and uh, my third wife. And my mom was like, this is crazy. I can't live with a guy who wants to live in the mountains. You know, this like crazy guy <laughs> who wants to just like live in the mountains. I can't, I can't be with him. And then she was like, oopsies, I'm pregnant. <sighs> and they were together for the next happy 11 years. <laughs> okay. So I like that happened. that's where she drew the line. Your dad was like, 20 years younger than me. That's wild. And your mom was like, the mountains? <laughs> yeah. No. no, 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 no. I'm not doing this. And then, and then I guess she, she called my dad. My dad says he got the call as he was, he was supposed to meet my mom and like on something and he had turned around and decided to go back to his wife. And then my mother called him and told 
told him she was pregnant. And he was like, wow. all right. And he left his wife. Oh. And they moved in together. Wow. What are your brothers up to these days? Let's see. I got I got three brothers. Zebediah, Ezekiel, Zion. Whoa. Yeah, a lot of Z's. How did you get your name? Why aren't you Zayayo? Because <laughs> I was first. Um. Also, I have an older sister who's the same age as my mom. And um, her name's Kara. So I guess they just like really didn't want to be creative. And then all of a sudden my dad was like, I got this. <laughs> like my sons are going to have Scrabble super names. Yeah. And like, and like they're all biblical names, but we are not up in that Bible stuff. Right. So it, it's really, who knows? But Zeb is living in Denver. Zeb, he's the oldest one. He's like, right. You know, a little bit younger than me. Likes to pretend he's not younger than me at all. Finishing business school. Very logical. Really, you know, got his head on. But he did, he did pick up on some of the like more, uh, like he has like, like an arm armory base. I mean, I, I saw him just like this summer and I was like, he had like six guns. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he goes shooting at the range every week and he's got to go boxes for him and his girlfriend, you know, like in the car Whoa, in like, case anything okay. goes wrong. So that part of your dad, like the do- doomsday part? Yeah, like he, that part, yeah. I did not realize it was so ingrained. Wow. And like, I think if you asked him, like, do you think the world's going to end? He'd be like, no, no, that's stupid. But like, he's preparing just in case, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Ezekiel is living in Seattle now. Zeke's a wild spirit, you know? He really took on that, like, try new things, go new places. Uh, lived in Hawaii for like nine months. Then was like, nah, not for me. And then moved back. Started college, then went to Boulder for like six months, uh, and I was like, nah, not for me. <laughs> like, left. Went to North Carolina. I was like, no, nah, not for me. Uh, so now he's in Seattle with his girlfriend. So, you know, God bless him. Hope that works out. And the youngest one is just trying to figure it out. He's starting college right oh. now. Actually, just started Where's, last week. Is there anything that your heart wants to be told before we wrap up? What's something your heart needs to have said? What like needs you, to be said for my heart? Yeah. Do you feel understood? I feel this made me feel very seen. Uh, I don't get an, I get an opportunity to really talk about about this because you know because when would I like in what right. improv circle am I going to be like hey <laughs> so when I got my period for the first time I actually did try to do that as an opening like fun fact about myself at a show one time and it went weird Uh-oh. it got weird everyone was like ha, ha. <laughs> it wasn't funny and we moved on quickly uh, so thank you guys thank you really thanks for asking about my father's life really <laughs> well, Sarah, i was gonna say it's been an absolute delight to have you on the show thank you so much for joining us and i was thank hoping you. you would continue to join us mm. and help us lifestyle for all of our life pilers out there yeah let's lifestyle those listeners yeah, so we <laughs> reached, reached, is reached the past tense of reach? It's rushed. We rushed. We rushed out to the audience. Rotched. So when we runched to our audience, uh, I said, audience, listeners, Life Pile Army, lips, as Rylan calls them, LPs, as I call them. Do you, have you ever been a part of a niche group or organization or team in your time on this planet? And we got some responses. Body boys, it's a me. Did you say it's a me? Like you're a you're a Mario Brother game? This is our intern game, by the way. What organizations are these people a part of? Competitive soccer, baby. Competitive soccer. I Competitive did soccer, baby. No, 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 Dylan, you didn't play like this. Oh. You play what? Little League? Shin guards? This is competitive soccer, baby. There's no shin guards, mm-hmm. okay? Oh. It's just a bunch of babies playing street rules in the wet mud <laughs> yep wet with amniotic fluid still <laughs> yeah yeah that's how you play can't you just see the amazing sponsorship 
for a competitive breast milk sports drink that would come out of this league. <laughs> I need the stuff to succeed. I need the stuff that drives my body to complete. I need a drink that has all of the substances my body needs to thrive. I need mama milk. <laughs> In two radical flavors, Tropical Mommy Punch and Blue Raspberry. You gotta have Blue Raspberry. Tropical Mommy Punch and Blue Raspberry. What about Blue Ras Boobies? There we go. Blue Ras Boobies. Blue Ras Boobies. And uh, before we leave that, I will say that it's very illegal and it's very unethical, but on the download, competitive soccer baby, live it. Same here. I'm explicitly saying, listeners, do not put your babies into competitive street rules soccer, but live it. Sarah, what's your official stance? Live it or leave it to professional soccer baby. I'm just saying that's a game I can get. I want to watch that game. Mm -hmm. Up until now, soccer's not appealed to me in the same way. Live it. Definitely a live it. Not... In, mm-hmm. Not too different from like watching the puppy bowl. I feel <laughs> right, uh, and it's so cute. And and you know what? I found that the babies cry less than the adult athletes. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was just gonna say those babies should know how to dribble. Okay, Gabe's ready with another one. Left, right, Tim, a group of drunk alien cyborgs sent from planet Quicksalope to turn childhood trauma into poop jokes, sex jokes, and weird semi-nude hot tub play. All right. So it seems like we got a submission from someone who used to be on an improv team with Cam and I, uh, and it and that had its own kind of culty atmosphere. I don't know. I had a great time, but... Uh, Sarah and Ryland, you guys were on the outside. Did we seem like a cult to you guys? We've just seemed probably like fun and normal, right? It just seemed like a like a, like a tight knit group of people that nobody else could get into. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, is that like a cult? Well, I don't know. Let's see. Let's go down the list. What are the things that that have to be for a cult? Um, okay. Did you have a leader? Cam. Great. Did you? <laughs> I'm just did you, charming. I'm not a leader. I'm just very charming. And for some reason, people we feel did whatever Cam asked us a to do. A doctrine of set beliefs, like a, a way of of seeing the world or the thing you were doing. Yes. Great. Like-minded people coming together. Well, yeah, sure. I, they weren't a cult. They weren't a cult because, like, for a cult, you can eat bugs and get into <laughs> it. And I ate bugs, and they said no. Ryland's so. forever bitter that in his audition for our improv troupe, he ate a bug on stage that was flying around him. <laughs> And it ultimately cost him a spot. Wait, is that real? Is that what you did? <laughs> yeah, what's crazy is like, <laughs> you there's a bug and somebody who's judging you says, eat that bug and then you eat it. And you said, oh, you shouldn't have followed my rules. <laughs> uh, you should eat that That cost bug. you the spot. See, Ryland okay. knew what it was about. He's like, here's a great cult. I want to be part of this cult. I'm going to do whatever I get told to do so they know I'm a good yes. cult member. And it's really unfair. Yes. I still think it's unfair, right? <laughs> Island. You can be in my improv. Let's you and me start an improv troupe and we'll uh, prepare for the end days. Ooh, I like this. Yes, and it's a purple ending. Yeah. Okay, it's a leave it. I will never join an improv team. Can't live it or leave it. I, I say leave it. I've planned everything I'm going to do for the rest of my life. There's no surprises coming my way. Everything's <laughs> scripted. 
And I'm stepping in Mark's steps, my friends. Hell Leave yeah. It. I think uh, I'm going to have to live it just because I want to be that one guy that encourages all the other improv people to drink the Kool-Aid and pass away. Oh. Let's wipe the scourge off the planet, y'all. Sarah, <laughs> 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 improv teams, live it, leave it. Ooh, I'm gonna have to, I think I'm going to have to say live it because I, I am on an improv team. So I feel like... Yeah, I, I have I have succumbed. Just be careful of the beverages that Ryland offers to you. <laughs> no, please drink it. Please, no, it's cool. First, it's I'm totally the first cool. to take it. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. We had one more. Do you want to try it out, Gabe? I'm part of a trans coven of former rowers. A trans okay. coven of rowers, like the people who are in boats that use the oars. So a group of, of trans people who who used to row. Yeah, but, but also. Now. Are a coven, and it's like so. They're also wit- witches. It's like leave something for us. You right. rowers are ripped as hell, so you've got a master mm, over the physical true. realm. Mm-hmm. Also, you have your mm-hmm. masters over the arcane realm. And right, like mm-hmm. yes. so, like mm-hmm. just a coven mm-hmm. of trans deities who can like land, sea, sky, the ethereal plane. It's all belongs to you. The world is yours. I honestly, I think that these are the people I want to follow into the darkness. You know what I mean? Like, sure. they, they sound powerful as hell. More so than improvisers? I would say, <laughs> I would, I would shut the improvisers in a second if the trans <laughs> yes. coven of rower, former rowers would take me. I would, I would, in a second. I, I don't meet any of the qualifications. I'm the same. Listener. Please contact us. Sarah and Dylan are ready to join. I'm ready. I gotta say no. I gotta leave it. I'm not joining this coven because what's left for me, I gotta put all my points in lockpicking and sneaking. You guys are paladin bard warrior (laughs) barbarians. And I got nothing left here but to raise my barter skill real high and sneak (laughs) and lockpick. What am I supposed to do? That's not a fun character. I'm sorry, but it's it's too uh it's too um, <laughs> fun character. Is the D and D game no room for me? Cam wants to play too. <laughs> I want to play too. I do love this. Uh, I love covens. I think because my great aunt was a witch, and mm. you know yada 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 yada. I boats are scary. I've almost drowned a couple times. <laughs> what? Uh, a couple so, of times? Yeah, I'm, I, I, my dad and family, we do river rafting trips, mm-hmm. and I like to fall out of the boat. Mm-hmm. It's my specialty. So, <laughs> so much about is swimming not so good for you? Is that hard? <laughs> well, rivers, we're doing like whitewater rafting, so you just get sucked under. Yeah, yeah. Die and real then quick. my uncle, mm-hmm. my uncle uh, dove in and pulled me out and put his mouth on mine. <laughs> just kidding. I wish he did. Oh. Just just kidding. Oh, no, man. I don't. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. It just kept going. All right. Oh, I think that's it for questions then. That sounds like a limit for Ryland. No. I have to leave it because I'm afraid of boats and their rowers. Yeah, right. To live. To live. All right. All right. So this is the culture shock episode. We're dealing with all things cults. And as we all know, cults come in many flavors. You got religious cults, you got doomsday cults, the cult of fashion, popular culture, counterculture, or the cult of simply being in a family. <laughs> but I want to talk about my favorite flavor of cult, which is scary white men in cloaks with lots of money. It's Yale University's Skull and Bone Society. Oh, Yay! secret like fraternities or something hell yeah. yeah i got three things that i want you guys to know about the skull and bone society first the initiation second the tomb 
and three, the alumni. Okay, so the initiation. The most legendary of Yale's seven secret student societies, Skull and Bones admits only 15 new members per year. The seven societies, though all historically tight-lipped, reportedly try to keep dossiers on one another's activities with reliability ratings assigned to each little bit of information they're able to scrape up. So using those, we can kind of create an idea of how these societies operate. Recruits receive their invitation in the form of a loud knock on their dorm room door in the middle of the night. When they open up, a member of the society, or bonesmen, as they're called, states, Skull and Bones, do you accept? And in the case of a yes, the new bonesman is handed a message wrapped in black ribbons, sealed with black wax that's imprinted with the skull and crossbones emblem, and the mystic bones number 322. More on that later. The secret message lists the time and place the new bonesmen must appear for their swearing in before their initiation begins at the tomb. The tomb is the name of the large windowless stone temple used as the meeting place for Skull and Bones that was completely constructed and tripled in size using the money of its alumni. More on that later. No, we don't have a complete picture of what happens inside the Bones tomb. Tales of the initiation ceremony have slipped out of the tomb into the daylight. So reportedly... Inductees are asked not to wear metal to their initiation. It's said that upon arrival, an inductee is first placed in a coffin. That coffin is carried down into a central chamber of the tomb. The tomb is chanted over by current members, and the new bonesman is removed from the coffin and ceremonially, quote, reborn into society. The new bonesman receives robes with mysterious symbols on it, as well as a new name. At some point, the new bonesman is plunged naked into a bath of mud. It is also said that initiates are given $15,000 cash and guaranteed financial security for life. This is supposed to be a measure to keep bonesmen from reaching like a destitute place in life where maybe they're selling skull and bone secrets for beer money. Dude, is your resource for this (laughs) Infowars? No, Cam. It's very credible dossiers. With, uh, not relatability scores. What is it? They get scored on, they get scored on reliability scores. rating. Yeah, they're, they're standby reports. They're standby dossiers. They're miscongeniality dossiers. They are factual espionage accounts. Listen, Cam, the gay frogs want you to think that this secret society is affecting the world. All right. So I've got the tomb that this all goes down in. There was a break-in at the tomb. Twice. Yes. The first group was this group that calls themselves the Order of File and Claw, which is a joke about the tools they used to saw through the bars on the tomb cellar window. The second break-in was by this intrepid group of young women in the 70s who brought a camera with them and used that to document. So using both those break-ins, we cross-reference them. We can kind of build a hazy half-picture of what the interior of the tomb was like. The tomb is said... To be adorned with gaudy frescoes painted in deep maroons, lavender, chrome, trimmed with rich hardwoods, and absolutely filled with human skulls and skeletons. The cellar bathroom houses a single dilapidated skull. A grandfather clock stands in a parlor room and houses a single hanging skeleton, and it is said that a special skull parlor room in the house contains the skulls of Pancho Villa, Martin Van Buren, and in a glass bowl filled with turquoise pieces, the skull of Geronimo. Ooh. 
Wait, who's that? Geronimo was a famous Native American figure. Sarah, do you know more about oh, that? Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Not, like, not more than anyone else, but yeah. That's so. a really terrible collection. You want to go for a full set. <laughs> if you had all three of the Stooges, I'd be like, here's a skull collection. It seems like okay. they just put in any skulls they could find. Not really a great skull collection. You are not impressed at all, Cam. That's that's true. It doesn't feel like they really curated the skull collection. Yeah. It's like poker. I need a straight flush or at least three of a pair. You don't like that they don't match. You want like all three Alvin and his chipmunks. Right, you, yeah. You want like Mary-Kate and Ashley's skulls, but you don't like that these are mismatched If Geronimo and Martin Van Buren were part of a secret Justice League of America back in the day and they're all on that team together, then suddenly, yes, this is a great skull collection. Mm-hmm. But it seems that it was more just the skulls that people were like, hey, do you or your uncle have any access to skulls? And it's like, I guess we have a couple lying around. It's just thrown together. It's mishmash. Okay, these are like some bougie skulls. I'd be like, right. they had to come from like some, you know, rich ass parents who had like, who who has Geronimo's skull? That Not someone who went to Kohl's. <laughs> if you want, if you're going to go in with the mahogany and the fine velvet and the beautiful hardwoods and then save money on the skull collection i think your priorities are out of order that's all i'm saying yeah and but also like who better to represent a bunch of rich white men than a mexican revolutionary and a native american right but they did have martin van buren in there so you know it's like colonialism extends into the afterlife like we are taking people like yeah it's trash it's not good so other facets of the tomb we got a sacred room bearing the sacred number 322 in which hangs a large painting said to be a gift from the german chapter of the skull and bones it depicts several skulls surrounded by masonic symbols and an inscription in german that translates to who is the fool who is the wise man beggar or king whether rich poor all's the same in death now a pamphlet that File and Claw released detailing their break-in says that the founder of Skull and Bones, only known as General Russell, was, quote, in Germany before his senior year and formed a warm friendship with a leading member of a German society. The meaning of the permanent number 322 in all Bones literature is that it was founded in 1932 as the second chapter of the German society. <laughs> Creepier still is that the German inscription from the skull painting was excerpted from the Illuminati ritual manuals confiscated by Bavarian police uh. when the congregation of that secret order was banned in 1785. Is Skull and Bones the second chapter of a German Illuminati society? Ooh. Even creepier still is a photograph secretly taken of the inside of an altar room in one of the Masonic lodges in Nuremberg, closely associated with Illuminism, showing a room completely full of hanging human skeletons around a coffin emblazoned with the Skull and Bones logo. Illuminati! Freemasons! Nuremberg! Skulls! Bones! Yale! That's the tomb, y'all. Cam, is it seeming a little classier? Here's the thing. The reason secret societies like this are disconcerting is not because of any secrets or any secret plotting. It's only because anyone who's had any experience of a group of white men getting alone together knows that it gets gross really quick. So everyone just has an innate understanding that here's a bunch of 
white straight dudes getting together. So you just know it's going to get gross and it's going to get weird and people are going to express their unresolved emotions in very unhealthy ways. So like, I already know what's happening. I don't need an Illuminati manual to tell me that it's getting gross and it's getting weird and people are misplacing their internal conflict. You know what I'm saying? And also, you guys can't even figure out a simple skull collection. So how impressive can the Illuminati be? How are you supposed to run the planet if you can't even run your own skull collection? It, it, it baffles. <laughs> He's so upset by the skulls. So oh boy. The 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 thing that I honestly keep replaying in my mind is the, the being put in the tomb. You didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I really, I really, I really don't like that. You don't That's got claustrophobia? I, I would in a, in a coffin. Yeah. I would That's it would being come carried up. bumpily yeah. down some stairs into yeah. the No no, I don't like that. And at this point you like know nothing, right? You've just been like told my question is, who says no? You know what I mean? Like, would you, do you, what would you do if somebody like knocked on the door and was like, bones and skull? You're like, yes or no? And I'd be like, uh, well, no thanks. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> or worse, you're high when they arrive and you're like, uh, yeah, man, I got some change back in my drawer. I'll be right back. Do you guys do cards? Do you have a square by chance? Oh, I'll be right. How many pizzas? I only had two, right? Sarah, I got great news for you, and I think it's going to resolve any fears you have and make joining the Skull and Bones a lot easier. That tomb they put you in, it's a lot like a bowl full of cold spaghetti at a Halloween party. It's not really a tomb, it's an MRI machine. That's why they make you take off any metal before you th- they throw oh, you in it. Oh, it's an MRI machine. They want to see if you're like really up to the task of being a part of there. Well, they tell you it's a coffin to make sure it's scary, but then really they should quick MRI scan, make sure you don't have any tumors, because they don't want to give a membership to a guy who's just going to kick off. Yeah, they only like take 15 people a year. They don't want to take someone with bad... Bad bones. Braids? We need to have those skulls pretty, baby. Uh, it probably would also help that it doesn't sound like they really let women in. Is it? At this time, they did not. They eventually did in 1992, but that's... Oh, 1992. They started letting women in. So there's a, there was a shot for me. Can you imagine that film, retro 90s, First Woman in Skull and Bones? That's a great movie. You guys. You yeah. guys. That is. We're filming it. I also don't like being in a coffin because it's so fucking dorky, dude. <laughs> I think this is the nerdiest shit in the world because it's just a bunch of college kids think, oh, isn't this cool? <laughs> like, have you ever been taken to like a young life thing and they think oh it's really God. cool and they're like, hey, how about we shoot a, ooh, some cocoa puffs onto your face out of my nostrils? Oh, it's pretty cool. It's spooky, right? And I'm like, this is fucking dorky as hell get me out of here okay. i think he actually believes the most is you the thing think. yeah he's like shh, he's shh, like Sarah, just, they're, just gonna, they're gonna come for me they're gonna they're gonna show they're gonna prove it all we're gonna prove it baby <laughs> it's like when you walk out into the woods covered in uh honey and raw meat and you're like i hope bigfoot doesn't find me <laughs> well, i was gonna get a knock at the door at three in the morning let's see skull of bones and they'll be like yeah yeah and they're gonna take him they're gonna throw him in the coffin and they're gonna do the chance and then pull him out and he's gonna be so excited and they're gonna be like now eat this bug and he'll say are you sure you really want to eat this bug yes because i'll do it i'll eat the bug yeah eat that bug okay you eat it and i go i'm sorry we can't let you in the skull of bones you're disgusting it's disgusting whatever okay well lastly you guys 
We got the alumni of Skull and Bones. Now, Skull and Bones, not just accused of being a douchey school club that has some spooky decor in their frat house. No, 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 no. There are some strong accusations that Skull and Bones is a shadowy organization controlling the planet's politics and wealth distribution. (laughs) The founder went on to create the Russell Trust Association, said to be a shell corporation for the goings-ons of Skull and Bones. The rest of the list of alumni includes incredibly influential members of society like President Taft, William F. Buckley Jr., and Paul Giamatti. (gasps) Okay, this is convincing me now. There we go. I knew I'd get it back in. The roster also contains a host of CIA officers, surgeons, writers, investment bankers, people who are perhaps assessed for either their prestige or their potential to generate income for the organization. In 2004 there was a United States presidential election between George W. Bush and John Kerry. Both were members of Skull and Bones. Whoa! Additionally, George Bush Sr., a member of Skull and Bones. Additionally, Prescott Bush, George W. Bush's grandpa, was a member and allegedly stole the skull of Geronimo from its tomb site. In 2004, a lawsuit was filed against the Bush family on behalf of the Apache people, though the attorney representing the plaintiffs eventually acknowledged he had no hard proof that this story was true, so it was thrown out. Who knows who else among us could be a Skull and Bones member? My money's on Ryland! Okay, Skull and Bones, literally, you guys! Okay, so when I was a kid, my mo- when George Bush was president, the second Bush... My mother told me that they were all a part of a society where they were like actually reptiles. Yeah. And they like, which, you know, that they were all going under there with the Queen of England and they <sighs> all went and they would like sacrifice virgins and shit. Because my mom also is a big conspiracy theorist. So it's just interesting that they all, they were actually part of some kind of secret society. Wow. I mean, we don't know about conspiracy theories on this podcast. We like to, like to keep it pretty factual. <laughs> That's, factual no, this is basically a conspiracy theory podcast. I didn't know your mom was a reptilian truther. Oh, yeah, she did. I mean, she was. I don't know. I don't know. I just that was just like very in my brain. It was like Bush just like. Hmm. It at night shed his human skin and became a reptile. That was my understanding of that it. That is so funny that you were like just a few miles away from me having a childhood where my parents were like, we love Bush. God sent him to Earth to save us all. I cannot wait to vote for Bush. And oh, I was like, okay. Whoa. And I remember getting in fights with this girl, Haley Solano, in line for lunch in third grade because I was like, I love George Bush. Oh, yeah, I would have been that little girl fighting you really hard. You would have been like. I really thought I knew my politics because <laughs> my mom spewed a lot of shit at me. <laughs> I love that you would be like, George Bush is a reptile. And I'd be like, he's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they both be the movie like the least informed argument of all time like the cartoon of what the other side thinks the other is (laughs) (laughs) and george bush is exactly what i imagined these guys looking like i mean imagine you are put into this fucking tomb and then you pop out and there's a hooded figure and he lifts up his stupid ass face and it's george bush and he's like (laughs) <laughs> He's like, hey. Pretty scary, right? Hey, <laughs> hey, so fucking Also, nerdy. like, the only way you get there is by having a lot of money. Yes. Right? Yeah, so sure. it's yes. just a bunch of people with daddy's money. I, I yeah. did like that quote, though, 
well, oh, I mean, rich or poor, it doesn't really matter in the end, you know, we all wind up dead. Yeah, uh, well, during your life, it does matter a little bit, you rich fucko. You're not the same as me, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, there's no way that they believe any of that. So, I guess we're all unanimous livets on Skull yeah, and Bones Society. Sure. No. Rylan, no? No. Why not? I hate this nerdy, stupid shit. <laughs> yes. Get out of here. Leave it. Rylan, you can never beat dorkiness. Because life is essentially dorky. So the only way out dorkiness is through dorkiness. Oh God. You wake up to a knock at the door, middle of the night, knock, 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 skull and bones. Do you accept? Yeah, you got it, bud. Jump in the tomb, jump out, eat the bug. Here in skull and bones now. Then you got, then you got a bunch of nerd friends for life, you know? <laughs> you got nerd friends for life, but get this. You know their faces now. Next night, they wake up to a knock, knock, knock. You're like, hey, it's the shins and clubs. Yes or no? What can they say? They're geeks. They love this shit. They say yes. You take them to a blow-up castle. You shake it while you make ghost sounds. You make them walk out and drink wine out of a boot. Now they're in the shins and cups. Next night, midnight, they get woken up by a knock at the door. It's you. You've got another new secret society for them to join. You're now in so many secret societies that are much more powerful than the skull and bones, all because you outdorked the dork. Live it. Wow. Damn. Dorkception. Mm-hmm. It's hard to argue with that. I, That's I guess, a firm limit for I, everyone then, I think. Yep, yep. I guess no, I'll... not me. I still hate this. <laughs> all right. Four oh, limits. Uh, you Rylan, all <laughs> Rylan, what you got for us? Take us home. Okay. Well, it's so funny that you guys brought up Walt Disney because does anybody have a Mickey in their life? Like... Ooh figuratively someone who's perpetually cheery and driving the plot no those types of people <laughs> that like apparently there you know there's people who make disney their lifestyle oh. and it's like i just i just love mickey mouse yeah i'm just i'm gonna go to walt disneyland again for the 50th time like that woman that's at the water park wearing like a, a big mickey t-shirt and then she goes back to her car and it's like all like mini plushies and yes. on the rear window yeah yeah and they like always like they always have like like a million disney t-shirts and then they like someone gets them a disney ticket for like their birthday and they cry yes yeah what yeah. are these people what are i don't hey i'm not gonna yuck your yum I don't really understand this, but I wanted to talk about the Church of Disney, a.k.a. the Cult of Disney, a.k.a. What? What? Uh, the people that work at Disneyland, <gasps> all right? So it's a very inclusive club, obviously. <laughs> you have to meet very strict physical requirements to resemble the characters. Right, uh, you can't yes. have. Right, you have to be a certain height, a certain weight. You have to. Uh, you, you couldn't have facial hair. There was a guy that was a Johnny Depp. Uh, impersonator for Pirates of the Caribbean. He had a real beard, but at Disney, you can't have real beards that are that long. So he had to shave off his beard and put on a Johnny Depp beard, even though he no. grew his own beard. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I just love the, the secret life of Disney characters at Disneyland because there are underground tunnels there. <gasps> so Walt Disney, he hated it when he would see like a uh, 
cowboy in a future space area. I haven't really been to these places very much. <laughs> but he, he can't have the world crossing over. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to see characters out of place. Right. So he put in tunnels so that the characters could go from place to place without being seen. And so they're basically mole people, Ariel <laughs> and Aladdin. <laughs> and what happens when you get a bunch of very physically attractive people and you put them all in tunnels? Oh, we're talking orgies, oh, okay? Yeah, what? Yeah, we're talking <laughs> yeah. No. There have been people that worked at Disneyland and Disney World that have come out and been like, yo, that was the most incestuous workplace <gasps> I have ever been in, ever. It was insane. Not literally incestuous, but just everybody is doing each other's partners all the time. And why not? You know, if you could take it from all seven of the dwarves at once, why <laughs> wouldn't you? Why not? You're in the happiest place on oh, Earth, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, also, mm-hmm. like, can you imagine, like, oh, I got my break, and then you just, like, go down to the tunnel and, like, you know, fuck, <laughs> fuck Snow White, and then, like, <laughs> then, like make it make it over to, like... It's like a lunch break, like, rather than eating a meal. You yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. Maybe you, maybe you Maybe you save a sandwich sandwich other, too. You know, I bet it's cool down there. Like, that. that's, like, a funny thing we all say when we see a person who's, like, so attractive they look fake in real life. Like, how do you possibly have like a bones and a face that's in that shape you look like a disney prince or a disney uh-huh. princess and if you're surrounded by those people yeah i guess that makes sense yeah i guess if i looked like mm-hmm. a disney princess and was around a bunch of other i'd be like let's fuck let's do it well, let's yeah, get exactly down. if i'm if i'm stuck in a tunnel with goofy you know what's happening <laughs> also, okay also i feel like there's a lot of fantasies i mean like how you know who has not had a crush on a, on a disney character i mean teenage simba <laughs> Specifically, we only see Teenage Simba, by the way, for like that one transition on the log where they're like, oh, whatever they're saying. And they're like eating bugs. And that's like the only time we see Teenage Simba. But okay. Okay, cool. Everyone's like sexual development in the 90s was pausing and rewinding VHSs to that exact point. (laughs) That exact moment. Who's yours? Oh, I had so many. I was super, I had so many. But so, well, I think my first one was Aladdin. Yeah. Because what? Get it. That's a super sexualized. I mean, look at how. But the the thing is, what I didn't realize is I was really into Jasmine. Okay. As you know, as well, because she's. I mean, Jasmine. Whoa. Whoa. And she's got those eyes. But I, at that time, I was like, well, I want to be Jasmine. You know what I mean? Sure. Do you get to see Jasmine's feet? No, 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 no. That's a secret. Why? That's a secret. Okay. Why are you asking? <laughs> I, don't you? You see Aladdin's feet a lot. Yeah, he's barefoot. how sexy he's barefoot, he is. Yeah. Why wow, is the Ryan, feet a good I've so much about you, man. <laughs> I, that's it. You know, it's a secret. <laughs> well, there's there's more to it. So they, so they do not pay these actors very well. <laughs> and so that means they have to do a lot of overtime pretty often meaning like 20 hour shifts so they get delirious by the end of it and uh they also love to party outside of the tunnels (laughs) because they're working so hard they gotta party so hard yeah Mm -hmm. is there like a bar just outside Disney World City Limits that's just full of, like, drunk Ariel hanging out with Woody, and they're <laughs> making eyes at 
Nemo. I, I, they, it, I guess they like all live in the same apartment complexes. It's sort of like a dorm. So they just all go to their apartment complex and then they just all hang out with each other and get drunk and then yeah, have that's that OJ like again. Any like all summer stock theater too, right? Though like sure. anything where you you put them in like a dorm situation as adult, like yeah, it's gonna get. Rowdy. I'm getting like Olympic Village vibes. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think there's a bowl of Disney flavored condoms in the lobby of this yes, apartment complex? I, and on all the and like all of their tables, you know, they all have like a bowl in their on their coffee yep. tables. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I love the ratatouille condom. The thing about the mascot is like some of them are the princesses; they have the bone structure, but then some of them are just in costumes all day mm-hmm. right like goofy or like nemo like nemo yeah. that that person could be ugly as hell like what about those people what about the people that get the job just to stand in the costume you know my head canon is getting... there are two camps you've mm. got the hots and then the you've got the, the furries <laughs> and i think all the furries found each other oh yes that's exactly where the furries should be dylan you got a little bit to learn about human resource management okay there are two groups it's the hot and the incredibly hot. <laughs> and you make the incredibly hot wear the costumes because then Elsa is like, I'm not going to work a 20 hour shift. I have to get down to the tunnel for an orgy. <laughs> and you say, oh, oh, you're not. Well, what if I just have Goofy take off his felt head revealing the 20 times hotter Elsa that's walking Jeez. around in a hot freaking suit? You sure you don't want to do my 20 hour shift? Wow, so they're like blackmailing them, huh? With the hotter people. Oh, yeah. Wow. Got, I got Elsa's on deck. People. That's, how you, <laughs> that's how you crack the whip. And as we all know from my Chick-fil-A cow segment, it gets very hot in those costumes. So you got hot people, yes. hot costumes, hot commodities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I bet they get peed on a lot, too. What? Why? Because kids, man. Sit, don't, oh. You know what I mean? Like you said, they sit on your lap, they touch they, they, or they're just wiping stuff on you all the time. All uh, the time. This is already getting a little too close. We've talked about Ryland's feet. Now we're talking about pee. I I'm think sorry. we need to keep it moving. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get excited. Pee, 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 pee. Jeez, okay. I don't think we can keep it moving, you guys, because we've talked about these tunnels. But what we haven't talked about is how they were very obviously built, not because Walt did, Disney had OCD about separating the peas and carrots of his astronauts and cowboys. <laughs> But because Walt Disney needed some tunnel system to hide the reptilians that were running the country and which were coming to Disneyland to eat children. Uh, Cam, you definitely have something there. Have you heard of Club 33? Oh, of course I have. I have not. Oh, of course he has. Okay, so Club 33 is the skull and bones of Disneyland. All right. So you can pay a bunch of money to be part of this very exclusive club where you can go into any Disneyland and there is a special bar and private area just for you. And you know what's crazy? George... W. Bush was one, no. uh, but that that was the only place where he would be his lizard self because uh, <laughs> right. he had those tunnels right. so close by. Just walking down there for her. Mm-hmm. naked lizard serpent skin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't drink anymore, except when I'm a lizard, <laughs> mm-hmm. then I get loose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he would walk around saying, I'm the dragon from Mulan. Look at me. <laughs> I imagine George Bush, like, Really, really thriving in that kind of atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like, just like no expectations. Like, he's just like, this is the way life was meant to be, you know? Just like, I feel like he would be his happiest self underneath. 
the Disney. And he's kind of mm-hmm. like a cartoon character. Is this bad that we're humanizing George Bush? Yeah, so no, much? fuck George Bush. Oh, George. <laughs> I George. feel like that boy's dumb. dumb. Yeah, <laughs> and he just wants to get us into wars and stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. just a couple war crimes. Just let him be. That's, all. That's cute. <laughs> Some war crimes. <laughs> So, would you guys live uh, this secret Disney uh, orgy cult lifestyle? It reminds me a lot of the lifestyle I'm getting pressured to live now that I live in Chicago, which being an urban center is understandably going to have a higher concentration of the gays. And with that comes a higher concentration of the A gays. I'm not going to get too into this secret society, you guys, but there are a class of just muscly, tanned, hairless, built, muscly, svelte, huge, muscly, white, blonde, bleached <laughs> asshole, muscly men who have these things called circuit parties. Oh. Boy. Where everyone's eating horse vitamins and steroids and dancing to rave music and everyone's just in a G-string and fucking till the sun come up. And I am obviously been asked to join. I was going to say, it's just a long way of you telling us that you're hot enough to be asked to be in this club. <laughs> no, actually, uh, I, I did get asked once and I thought the person said it as a joke. But I would have declined if it wasn't a joke because I don't think I have the stamina. And I'm seeing the same thing with this underground Disney society. Even if I was contracted to be Aladdin, and that is a role that I was born for, I don't got the stamina to go down on my lunch breaks every day on my 20-hour shift, my, what, five lunch breaks that I would get in that time, and fuck nasty, and then go back up to Florida, where it's 109 degrees? (laughs) That takes a superhuman. Leave it. So what you're saying is circuit parties are how gays do circuit training to prepare to be Prince Charming at Disneyland. My God, I didn't even think about it, Cam, but the grand wizards of circuit parties are most certainly Hercules, Prince Charming, Aladdin, Mm -hmm. Teen Simba. Oh my God. Dylan, you almost got abducted into a Disney cult, a little satellite (sighs) Disney cult. You're probably going to get sent right to Orlando. Joke would have been on them, because the most they could have got out of me, Cam, was like a non-convincing Eeyore. (laughs) No, man. (laughs) George Bush the lizard would have eaten you, dog. Oh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. What do do y'all think? Are Uh, Are we living it? Sarah? I'd say yes. Yeah. I'm on board. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Because Live your dream. I personally have always wanted to be uh, someone who lives underground. And I also think <laughs> I also think when end times do come, <laughs> they have a foolproof I mean, shit goes down, bombs are dropping, they have those tunnels right there. Go underneath. Mm-hmm. Also I'm on board because it sounds like everyone's gay. So, you sure. know. Sure. Yeah. L- sure. It's a good time. Yeah. I feel like straight women would have less fun. If all the men are yeah, running yeah, the gay yeah. circuits. But I'm sure there's a market boys. of ladies out there who want to get into a, just a big stack of Elsas. Just a big stack of Elsas? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's there's a lot of women out there that want to get into a big stack of Elsas. <laughs> That's a that's an exciting idea because like yeah there can't just be one Elsa like there need to be other ones that can work when one is <laughs> which sick. means you can have so many cartoon feet in one room. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That's interesting. Sarah said, "Do they only play one character?" So they got wigs and stuff, right? So like, why not? Why couldn't yeah. Elsa also be Ariel? Also be dang because it's mostly all white girls. 
This is starting to sound like mm-hmm. me and my personal life. A man walks into my bed- bedroom, I'm like, you, I could be whatever you, you like. like. <laughs> yeah. And then I go over to my boudoir and I throw open the doors and I got my Elsa wig. I've got my teen Simba wig. Oh my God, he like stashed those in the closet when I walked in. That's what that was. <laughs> yeah, Dylan, it's also kind of strange that you've done this whole podcast recording wearing your teen Simba wig. Well, I th- I think it's it's my brand and I just, I want you guys to get in the same headspace as me. You are my Timon and Pumbaa. Aww. Aww. <laughs> All right. They were the best. I call couple. the front side. Front side. I'm a log with I'm a log. <laughs> what? Okay. Hey, uh, <laughs> Cam, did you live or leave this? I gotta say, it's a modified leave it because <laughs> anytime you um, are a cult follower, you gotta do a bunch of work and you kind of end up in a trance state. So that trance state might be nice, but um, mm-hmm. it would be much nicer to abuse other people as a workforce so that they can bring my fantasy to life. So I'd much rather build my own lizard tunnels and enslave my own... You'll build your own tunnels and the people will come to you. Yeah, I'm gonna build my own lizard tunnels and I will abduct my own gay princes who will fill their tunnels with orgies. I'm imagining Cam just like sitting, all the tunnels lead to him like with his microphone in his room. They like come, they like burying grapes, you know, through the the Mm. floors and the whole time... He's doing an ongoing podcast that they listen to. Yes. Oh. I've got as a, they work. I've got a circular desk and I just swivel around looking at all these gay right. men writhing in piles and tunnels as the <laughs> lizards run back and forth, determining the outcomes of the human race. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I think uh, I see this as a very good money-making opportunity for myself because if I get in there with a camera, mm-hmm. oh my god, I have porn for <laughs> decades, dog. I could send that on any website, make hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know? Watch Cinderella go down on Gaston. Hell yeah! <laughs> and you know what's great about this plan, Ryland? Is that Disney is not known to be litigious at all. So <laughs> you're gonna get away with it, Scott. <laughs> well, uh, thankfully, I'm a skull and bone. You don't know who I am. Very anonymous. <laughs> okay, so that's a limit. No, wait. I, why did I say Gaston? I, that is the one I least want pictures of. You so. want his friend. Well, Cinderella got stopped. That sounds hot. Stack of Elsas and LeFou. Mm, there we go. <laughs> yeah. there, that's who I was when I played that character. What? That? You were LeFou? Yeah. Gosh, it disturbs me to see you, Gaston. <gasps> oh, yes. Oh, give us more, baby. Oh, my nope, goodness. Nope, nope. I heard Disney's very litigious, so I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> this is Life Bio Podcast, the only podcast for people who are being deprogrammed. We want to thank the leader for all the answers we want to thank sarah adler for coming on and helping us do the show thank you so much sarah thank you and we want to thank scott davis for doing the music for our show if you want to be part of the show and you should be call 720-663-8163 leave us a voicemail we promise even if it sucks we're gonna put it on the air come on there's no worries here (laughs) you can also text that number you can reach us on instagram 
Graham and Cumbler. Uh, and you could also do what Dylan sells. <laughs> I don't know why Ryland's absorbed two social media platforms from my segment of this. <laughs> That's well, right, Ryland. We are on social media. We've got a Tumblr as well as a Cumbler. We've got an Instagram, a Twitter, and a Facebook. All of those are going to be at Lifepile Show. Feel free to follow us on those. If you leave us a review telling us which one of the life pilers cult you would be a part of uh, we'll go ahead and read that live on our next episode just give us a five stars on apple itunes podcast stoa and thanks in advance because i know it's mine if you want to catch me this week i will be heading out back every morning at the crack of dawn to check the thermometer i've shoved into gabe's frozen ribs to see if it's finally warm enough to bury him in the ground and i'll go nope still frozen stiff guess this gabe's gonna be a coat rack just a little bit longer and then i take my coat up off his arms and i take my hat up off his head and i say I'm going to be a long winner. Uh, You guys, you can catch me outside the gates of, I guess, my former employer. I'm out here protesting my unworkable work conditions as a Disney prince. They got me out here being Prince Charming. I'm Aladdin. I'm Buzz Lightyear. Depending on the phase of the moon, I can be Lil Bo Peep for you for a price. And I am not getting compensated for that. So hold strong. Fight the good fight. Brethren, (laughs) I'll see you at the front lines. If you guys want to catch me, I'm going to be starting my college tour uh, where I'm going to be going around to all the colleges in the United States and finding all the current Skull and Bones members and putting (laughs) their heads into toilets because they are fucking nerds and I got to show them. You can find me whispering sweet nothings to a fern while I sip on goat blood under the full moon. (gasps) Yes. Come chat with me. I also have an improv show on Saturday night. (laughs) Uh, Saturday nights at I.O. Chicago. It's called Best Buzz, and it's at midnight. Cool. My team name is Mr. Doctor. Do you guys do uh, every Saturday night? We do. We've been doing it for like a year now. Every Saturday night, midnight. I love it. We may or may not get extended again. We'll find out. Well, that's so fantastic. Thanks again for coming, Sarah. It's been so much fun having you here, and everyone should go see your show. Thanks so much, you guys. had a great time. This is Life Pile. Light your life on fire. (laughs) 